This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Joining me, my good buddy, Adam Emmert. What's going on, Brandon? I'm actually super excited today to be on the pod, believe it or not. This is one of the few days in the offseason that I will be excited to talk on the pod because things actually happened since the last time we did this. Like, actual things we can talk about. I'm very excited. And it's only been a week. I mean, there's been yeah. an exciting first few days to free agency. I want to get into that. Uh, Frank Clark, last time we talked, he was seemingly happy with getting the franchise tag. And then all of a sudden we have news this last week that, that seems to uh, go against that. And we have uh, a look at how this 2019 offensive line is shaping up, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's maybe the reason I'm most excited Yeah, is that, that we get to talk a little offensive line. I mean, that's a position near and dear to my heart. And uh, the Seahawks actually making some moves that I think are going to shore this thing up for the upcoming season. And I'm excited about it. Well, we can talk about that. We can look around the league because, of course, our division rivals making moves. The Cleveland Browns making big moves. A lot of people talking about them getting uh, Odell Beckham. Yeah, neat. That uh, Neat for them. Well, let's start off with maybe some sad news, Adam. Another member of the Seahawks Super Bowl defense moving on. Earl Thomas going to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, it's a little sad, I guess. But in the end, I mean, we all knew this was coming. And everything that has a beginning has an end. It was time for... Earl's tenure to be done in Seattle. And I'm just very, very thankful that he didn't go to the 49ers or the Cowboys. Uh, I like that he's out of conference. I guess we do play the Ravens next year, so that should be interesting. But it doesn't bother me so much that he ended up in Baltimore. We get to play him in Seattle. Yeah, Baltimore is kind of the least offensive, right? It's not the 49ers, so he's not going to be paired up with Richard Sherman. Uh, It's not even the Cowboys because, you know, screw the Cowboys. Thanks for not going there. And we can kind of make fun of them because they thought that they were going to get Earl Thomas all along and now they're not. And, you know, it's not the Cardinals or the Rams because you don't want them going to either of those other division rivals either. And we kind of figured it wasn't going to be the Rams after uh, they they signed a free safety early on with Eric Weddle. But this is the, the least offensive place that Earl Thomas can go. We can maybe kind of root for him a little bit. And uh, I know you're not the biggest Ravens fan, but I don't know if that was maybe because of Flacco. And now that he's gone, maybe maybe now you can have a little rooting interest in the Ravens. Uh, wrong. <laughs> Uh, but that I hate that franchise. Sorry. It has nothing to do with Flacco. In fact, he was one of the few things that I didn't hate about the Ravens. Not that he was particularly good. He just was a decent guy. You know, Adam is not going to be rooting for the Ravens despite no. Earl Thomas being there. No, no. I, I, I hope you understand my fandom's not that fickle. Like actually I've made decisions about certain franchises over the course of a couple decades now. And so those opinions are pretty well set. Like they don't they don't move around a lot. I'm not you know super fair weathered that way. Okay, why is it that the Ravens? Where did that come from? Well, number one, their owner. I mean, I think he's a despicable human being, and the way that he did Cleveland on the way out of town. Okay, like screw that guy. I mean, I just not much to like there. Uh, The whole Ray Lewis thing bothers me a little bit. Uh, You know, I think he's a little shadier than he's made out to be. I never could stand Brian Billick. He's just pompous. He's gone, though. I get it. But again, this is an opinion that is accumulated. Well, you can change your mind after after things happened. You know, if the the Ravens get a new owner, you can go, oh, well, now maybe I don't uh, dislike them as much. Okay, then maybe I'll just throw out all my convictions in life. (laughs) I'll just start changing my mind about everything. That sounds great. Yeah, it's a it's a slippery slope. 
That's what I'm saying. So screw the Ravens. I'm saving my soul. All right. Well, some other Seahawks that were lost. Justin Coleman to Detroit, four years, 36 million. Uh, the Earl Thomas contract, four years, 55 million. Uh, when you see that and you go, yeah, the Seahawks weren't going to pay that. Nope. Nope. And same with Justin Coleman to Detroit. Yeah. I mean, look at Matt Patricia go collecting all the expatriates. We'll see how that works out for him. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I'm not going to guess well. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, you see a lot of Seahawks fans like wringing their hands over the fact that they really haven't got out in free agency and done much. I mean, I guess they have over the last couple of days, but, you know, up to that first wave of free agency and there's that kind of frenzy. And uh, the teams that I'm looking at that are making the big splashes like Cleveland, Detroit, you know, teams like that. Uh, let me ask you a quick question, Brandon. Those teams traditionally good or not good? They're usually not good. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Just a thought. Well, and that's it speaks to how fans kind of react to this first wave of free agency. You know, those first couple of days this week, there are a lot of Seahawks fans looking and, and seeing all the big names come off the board, you know, Trey Flowers and people wondering, you know, where Le'Veon Bell was going to go. And, mm-hmm. and you know, here are the Seahawks. Yeah, they're not going after any of those guys. And for the first 48 hours of free agency, well, the, the 48 hour period before free agency even actually began, people are going, oh, well. How come we haven't heard any news out of the Seahawks yet? Well, it's because the Seahawks have all their good players. Right. And and they can only keep so many under contract. You know, Frank Clark, that was the big name of the offseason so far. You know, then you're looking at keeping guys. And one of those guys that they did get to keep, one of the biggest names, KJ Wright, coming back two years up to $15 million over those two years. Yeah, that was maybe the second most exciting news for me in the last couple of days, just because I have such an affinity for KJ, Wright. I just I, I love him as a player, as a person. I love the idea of him being a Seahawk for life. That's super appealing. And just knowing they finally got that deal done, that makes me feel a lot better because just look at the, the linebacker core as a whole. I mean, they also signed Michael Kendricks to a one year deal. Yeah, one year, $4 million deal ahead of his April 4th sentencing. You don't sign a dude to a one-year deal if you don't have some information about how that sentencing may or may not go. Or you structure the contract appropriately so that if something does happen that you're covered. I suppose, but I don't know. That feels like they know a little something-something. Or the lawyers have a... Uh, kind of an inkling as to how it should go. I mean, they the way the article is written, the last one that I read about his signing, uh, they talked about his conviction, right? right. And number one, um, he didn't profit from the insider trading. Number two, he like confessed like right away. Like they were like, hey, you did this. And he's like, yeah. Like, I don't even think he knew what he was doing was particularly illegal, right? Yeah. And then paid up his uh, fines and the, the things that he was uh, supposed to pay right away. If if all those things are true, which they are, then to me, if you're a jury or a judge, whoever's doing the sentencing in this case, and he does, he has no past uh, like criminal activity, right? It's not like he has a rap sheet, like anything like that. He's been clean his whole life. So like to me, when you sit in front of the judge, I mean, wouldn't that be the lightest sentence you get? As the Seahawks, you probably have, you know, all your lawyers that know how sentencing works and they can look at the case and go, yes, because of all these factors, this is what we can expect from a judge. No, it doesn't change, you know, that uh, things might go differently, but uh, yeah, they, they probably have a pretty good idea of, of what could happen. Yeah. You would think. So I just love that, uh, that linebacker room at this point, right? I mean, Wags and KJ and Kendricks 
because Kendrick's played well last year. You know, Mingo's still on the roster who, you know, fills in that strong side linebacker fine. I mean, and who's to say Kendrick's can't play strong side linebacker either? Yeah, well, that's one of the things that's kind of been discussed, you know, put your best three guys on the field. And yeah, Kendrick's isn't the biggest guy, but all you need him to do is be able to set the edge on those early rundowns. And I'm sure he can do that. And Claytro or Griffin, one of those guys could improve from from the past years and, and take over that spot too. Mingo. I don't know if he's a lock to be on this team, but he has a $4.1 million cap savings uh, if, and he's under contract for over $5 million this year. So I mean, that's, that could be a guy that's, you know, now that cap space is dwindling, they could, he's one of the guys probably toward the top of the list that they could look to, to save the most money. And, and we'll see if they do that. Yeah. Flexible piece, right? Like right. if you keep M- Mingo at that number, it doesn't kill you. But also, too, if you do need to create a little space to, you know, bring in somebody uh, that that you're interested in. Sure. Or re-sign a guy like maybe, you know, free up a little more cap money for Russell Wilson's new deal or for Frank Clark's new deal or whatever it is. Right. Like Mingo's a guy that you can find another guy to do Mingo things. And Kendricks could easily be that guy. In fact, I think he's better at getting after the the passer than than Mingo. So he can play the position and he's not particularly undersized for it. What is he like? Two forty five. Yeah, I was just in terms of height, you know, they've always had kind of taller, you know, six, three, six, four dudes play that spot. And and right. he's five eleven, I think you could still see Dion Jordan come back and have him plugged into that role. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's still lots of yeah. things they could do. Isn't Bruce Irvin still available? He's still out there. See, that's a guy that you look at in the second wave of free agency, and that might make sense. That might be a deal that you can get done. Yeah. And, you know, they might be playing that to everybody kind of watching the the comp picks that they might get. And the only guy to count toward the or count against getting comp picks because you, you get, you know, so many players who the Seahawks have lost. You know, we mentioned Earl Thomas. We mentioned Justin Coleman. Well, Brett Hundley goes. J.R. Sweezy goes to Arizona. He's one of the bigger ones. Shamar Steffen, one of the bigger, you know, contracts to go. He's going back to Minnesota. Uh, Mike Davis. Uh, he's going to Chicago. So, you know, they've they've had six guys depart and you have a maximum of four comp picks. And so really the only guy to count toward that in free agency with the signing kicker, Jason Myers, four years, fifteen point five million dollars. He's coming back. The guy who competed with Seabass in the preseason and and lost out. He goes to the Jets, has a pro bowl caliber season, uh, kicking almost 92 percent of his his field goals. And now he's coming back to Seattle under a pretty reasonable deal. Yeah, there's a there's a lot that you packed into that last statement. Uh, so let, let's work backwards a little bit. So uh, the kicker signing. Yes, uh, this was something I was I was very stoked about. Young kicker had a great year last year. Now, I mean, you're kind of paying for one year's worth of production, which is a little worrisome. I mean, there's there's guys that have been out there that have done really well for one year and then turn into a dumpster fire later. Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey. Um, I mean, Blair Walsh is a great, great example of that. I mean, he was a guy that had an amazing rookie year. He had a good rookie year and it was it was all downhill from there. Yeah, right. So there's a little bit of risk there, but also getting him under contract for four years. That's kind of nice. And if he can just be consistent, which the Seahawks, if there's any other team out there other than the Jets that had a good idea as to what he could do, the Seahawks are that team. They had him in training camp last year. They know what he's about. They saw him prove it over the course of this last year. And he got paid. So I'm excited about that. Uh, you talked about a few of the losses. I mean, whether that's Coleman or Sweezy, uh, you know, you went down the list. Mm-hmm. Did any of those guys feel mission critical to you? 
Well, with Sweezy, you kind of wondered, well, what's going to be the answer at left guard with him going? But they mm-hmm. answered that question pretty quickly because they signed Mikey Potty from the Cardinals for one year. And he has had injury issues over the past couple seasons with the Cardinals. But a guy who's worked with Mike Solari. So there's familiarity there with the coaching. And, you know, he's kind of a Pacific Northwest guy, you know, went to school at Idaho. And it's, it's just one year. It's kind of he's in that same position that you brought in Sweezy, you brought in Fluker and you get to evaluate him for a year and see if, yeah, where his injury issues are, are those going to continue to be a problem? If so, yeah, it's just one year. And if he works out, you know, maybe he can return to that Pro Bowl, all pro caliber form that he that he was in in San Francisco. See if he works out. He could be a good signing, but uh, it definitely speaks to the type of mentality continuing of this team, continuing to be a run first team because you potty a, a much better run blocker than a pass blocker. Yeah, I uh, I think this is a lateral move. I'm not sure that he is an upgrade over Sweezy. I'm not sure he's a downgrade over Sweezy. I mean, if you go according to the pro football focus numbers, they're comparable as uh, pass protectors, Upati being a little lesser, mm-hmm. but the, in the run game, according to Pro Football Focus, Upati's uh, much better. Yeah. Now, whether or not that's an actual truism, I'm not sure. I have a hard time with some of PFF's uh, rankings of offensive linemen. I mean, they had our offensive line as a whole not ranked very well last year, and they were a lot better than they were in the past. And so it's hard for me to you know equate those. But even if Upati is uh, just what he was the last three seasons in Arizona. That's the same as what Sweezy was last year. So, I mean, I don't, I do not, uh, I do not believe that Upati is going to be the, the guy that uh, is going to get back to that pro bowl form. I, I, I just don't, he's been on the decline for the last three years. Injuries have uh, kind of, you know, derailed him. And uh, yeah, I mean, but there will be a lot of fun jokes uh, with Upati going forward. And uh, I mean, it's it, that's the question you ask a like a two and a half year old, right? Right. You potty. That's exactly how you pronounce it. And I'm sure that joke, it, it won't it won't get old at all. Am I am I saying it wrong? No, that's exactly how you say it. Oh, OK. I thought so. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, we even did a little research on that. But right. Yeah, I think it's smart in the sense that now if you go into the draft and maybe they're looking for a guy in the first and second round to fill that spot or. You know, they they have dudes. They got Joey Hunt, who's been backing up. He can play everywhere on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have your your second round pick from a couple of years ago. Posick. Posick, yeah. He could come in. And although, you know, Posick seems to me like a guy who is in place to take over for Justin Britt in a couple of years. That, that seems like the move to me. But we'll see. Not Joey Hunt? It could be Joey Hunt. I mean, because I mean, that was their first guy to go to when Britt was injured last year. They plugged in Joey Hunt. Yeah. And he played well. Yeah, he did all right. So I, I think Hunt can play just about anywhere, although he, he feels like the backup versatility guy that uh, that can fit in anywhere. But, you know, he's six round pick. Don't pigeonhole Joey Hunt. Don't pigeonhole him. <laughs> I, I'm don't, not. Uh, don't tell him what <laughs> he can't can play can anywhere do. he wants. Fair enough. But look, I mean, this is an interesting move in the idea that if you look at Fluker, who they recite. Wait, I can't wait to talk more about Fluke. I'm so excited that that happened. That oh my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, having Fluker back, Britt, and then Upati. I mean, you look at those guys. Upati's six five three thirty. Britt six six three fifteen. 
Fluker's 6'5", you know, 340. Those are some big maulers up front, man. And this commitment to the running game, they're going all in on it this next year. Oh, for sure. Like I said, lateral move off of Sweezy. I think when you look at terms of money, they probably saved money with this swap with the Cardinals of, you know, basically switching Sweezy for you body. I like the fact, Adam, that uh, now we have an offensive line, four first round picks and one second round pick as, as your starting five. Yeah. No guys that played basketball like, you know, their whole lives and didn't play football since the eighth grade uh, as a starter. I somehow that feels better. But one of those guys, George Fant, is coming back signed. Well, I don't know if he signed his restricted free agent tender, but he's been offered a a second round tender, which uh, would earn him three point one million dollars. Why are you laughing at the at the tender amount? Because who's given up a second round pick for George Fant? Well, the reason why you do that is because if, if you put him in as a original round tender, two million dollars, there could be somebody that comes in and signs him to an offer. Sure. Team. OK, <laughs> maybe they wanted to reward him with a little extra money. Yeah, sure. They, they everybody's looking for a 300 pound tight end. Yeah, that one million dollars extra. Like that's just a drop in the bucket. Exactly. What are you going to do with like, that? I don't I, the, using the second round tender on him is just bizarre to me, but it's making sure that he's going to be on the team for that amount because nobody, like you said, nobody's coming along to offer him any kind of offer sheet that would risk giving up a, a second round pick for. Yeah. And on top of all that, I mean, I don't know. This team must somehow value George Fant much more than uh, the rest of the uh, the rest of the league and Sam, it is not about his uh, yards per yards per catch. Like, no, it, one, one catch does not make a sample size, buddy. It's a nice average averaging yeah. nine yards per catch. Yeah. So for those who are just listening to the show uh, right now, we're actually trying this out a little differently this week. Uh, we have it live and uh, some of our listeners from the ring of honor are able to uh, text in as we're doing this. And so yes. Sam, Sam Sullivan from the ring of honor just brought up the George fan averaged nine yards per catch last year. He also averaged one trip per catch last year. That's true. He would have had one first down per catch if not for that one trip per catch. Yeah. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. So if you go to get in the flock.com and uh, those who are $12 and above, they get access to our Ring of Honor. And we're, we're trying the, the live video stream to our, our Ring of Honor group. This is fun. It is kind of fun. But uh, yeah, the other things that are fun, DJ Fluker being back there at right guard. The guy that by all accounts last year was kind of the, the guy to really change the attitude of that offensive line. I mean, not that Dwayne Brown's not a leader on the offensive line, but just that kind of that edge that you need on the inside on your offensive line. And he kind of brought that and Swiss too, for that matter. I mean, Swiss looks like he's been in and out of prison 46 times, even though he's a really good guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, he just has, he, has he just has a prison look. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Him and Britt, but uh, you know, you has got that kind of uh, grit to him as well, but having fluke back to be one of the leaders on this uh, offensive line is, is just awesome. I wish we would have had the continuity of bringing Sweezy back for another year. Just once, I'd love to see uh, continuity on the yeah, offensive the same line five for guys one whole season. The offensive line for for more than one year—that'd be nice, right? But I am happy that the Seahawks have gotten away from the idea that you can't bring in a veteran to play offensive line. I mean, remember them trying to just you know build up young guys for early on during the Pete Carroll tenure, and it just being a disaster. The strategy way, it makes way more sense to me. Yes, 
DJ Fluker, two years, a nine million dollars or up to nine million dollars. Seems like a, a nice, uh, yeah, yeah, relatively reasonable contract, especially considering injuries, but also, you know, with the upside. Absolutely. I think that's an absolute steal for the Seahawks. I mean, look at what Roger Saffold got with. Uh, oh, where the hell did he sign? Where did Saffold go? <laughs> oh, Titans. Titans. It was that's a t- what it was. They're collecting yeah. all the offensive linemen. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was somewhere forgettable. Yeah. Four uh, so years, yes. $44 million. So basically 11 million a year, right? With 22 million guaranteed. And you basically get Fluker for the next two years for half the money per year. The one guy that I kind of, I, I wish the Seahawks maybe could have gotten in on James Carpenter going to the Atlanta Falcons four years, 21 million, you know, a nice, reasonable long-term deal for a guy that you had on the team a few years back. Just with his play on the Jets, I thought that that could be in range for the Seahawks. I mean, I, I felt like he was a fit. But again, maybe there's medical there we don't know about or something. I mean, there's a, there's obviously a reason that the team well, uh, they decided do know to him go. Too. So he may, they right. may have decided that he's just not a locker room fit. Or just not a fit with Solari and what he's running. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel good about where the line is on offense. Now... What I'm hoping for, you know, going down the line here in free agency and the draft and um, everything coming up is more news about the defensive line and what they do to upgrade there. That's that's my next. Now that kicker's taken care of, now that the offensive line is taken care of, like that's the next position group I look at and go, that's where we really need to focus because they'll find somebody to replace Justin Coleman. They will. Maybe it's King. Who knows? But uh, yeah, and we've got we've got the safeties. We're, we're fine there. I mean, if they want to add another veteran safety, and I think they will mm-hmm. at some point coming up here, that'd be great. But really, defensive line, that's the next position group I look at, and I, that's where I want to see some attention. Well, let's explore the defensive line coming up next. We'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about Frank Clark seemingly unhappy all of a sudden and talk about some moves that the Seahawks have made on the defensive line and maybe some guys that they're looking at in free agency coming to visit Seattle. So we'll do that next. All right, Adam, let's talk a little bit about Frank Clark. As we talked last week, he gets the franchise tag and all throughout the year, he was saying he'd be fine playing under the franchise tag. And then all of a sudden, this last week, there's there's this big news that, you know, Frank Clark's going to be holding out if he doesn't get a new contract. And uh, the, the interesting thing was, you know, the, that was a tweet from Ian Rappaport just saying that if Frank Clark doesn't get he's hearing that if Frank Clark doesn't get a new contract that he's going to be holding out and a lot of people attributing that to either Frank Clark or his agent. But as it was pointed out on NFL.com in their article on it, uh, apparently it was sources informed of the situation who know about uh, Frank Clark. So we, we don't know if it's coming from Clark or his agent. Oh yeah, we do. We know it's coming from his agent and this whole thing is fake news. This is BS. They, they, this is absolute BS. So basically you, you go, you get franchise tag, right? Right. What's your only leverage to try to get your deal done this year in, in the terms that you want uh, that deal to be made in? Like, there's only one way to do that, and it's to threaten to hold out. Give me a break. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. Ask, ask, ask every other Seahawk how the whole the holdout has gone for them. And the other thing about it is that 
yeah, he could hold out training camp, but the Seahawks are going to get a deal done by the 15th of July when the deadline to sign a long-term contract is. Or they don't, and he plays under the tank. I think they're going to get a long-term deal. It's set up perfectly for a long-term deal because you've got Trey Flowers. You know, he was kind of mentioned in that same type of, in the same sentence as Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. He gets a deal. Then you had D Ford get traded to the 49ers for a second round pick. Ford's been injured, but still he gets a contract that you can build off of that and say, okay, well now here's another guy that pay Frank Clark a little bit more than D Ford. As long as it's slotting in where the guys seem to go. The only other guy I can think of now that Clark may want to wait for is Justin Houston, who was let go from the chiefs and he could sign back with the Chiefs now that they got rid of Ford or he could go somewhere else and they would have another contract to base it off of and say, OK, we'll put him in ahead of Justin Houston because he's younger. Sure. And all that makes sense if Frank Clark wants to get a deal done this offseason. I mean, that's really all it boils down to. Does he want to get his guaranteed money this year or does he want to get it next year? Because if you look at it from Frank Clark's position, OK, fine. I'm going to make the average of the top five pass rushers in the league this year. It's a pretty good paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's certainly not the worst. And my guess is, I mean, I'm no capologist. I, I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not even clairvoyant. But somehow, some way, I predict that the market for a pass rusher will be even higher the next year. I mean, I'm just guessing. I have nothing to base that on. Not like year after year after year of the way the salary cap works. But look, if I'm Frank Clark, this is exactly what I do. I play under the tag this year. I'm happy about it. I go into free agency next year and I get an even bigger deal next year. And I take an insurance policy out for this upcoming year. And even if I get injured, whoop de doo dah day. It could happen. And especially with so many guys coming up on the franchise tag next year, you know, if Russell Wilson decides to not sign a deal before this year starts, if Bobby Wagner decides to go through the season and hit free agency, if Jaron Reed, if he doesn't want to sign a long-term deal, then the Seahawks have four guys and they have to choose one guy to franchise tag. And that could mean a a bigger payday. They, They may still all stay with the Seahawks, but it could mean a potentially bigger payday for all of them. I don't see Frank Clark getting tagged again next year. No, I don't think he's that guy. So the game that he's playing long term, like he doesn't have to worry about getting tagged the next year. I mean, he's definitely going to get paid in 2020 if he doesn't get paid this year. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, there's no urgency by either side at this point. I mean, I that's the, and that's the only reason why this story came out is the agent leaked it to somebody who's familiar with him or something. Who knows? Like, and it's standard operating procedure by these agents. Or it'd just be an easy story to to say is floating around out there because that would always be floating around. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't, wouldn't even be inaccurate. Right. So your worry level about this story is where on a scale of one to 10 right now, one, I mean, the closer you get to the 15th, is when you start, you know, when that worry level starts going up because you're getting to the deadline of when a long-term deal could be signed. That that would really make you worry? If he plays under the tag this year, you're worried? Um, I would expect him, if he doesn't have a contract signed by midseason, they could be look for, they might look at him as a guy that they could trade a, a pick for. Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, that's why my worry level on a scale of one to 10 is negative 4,532. You can't go negative. I, this I is just zero did. to 10 scale. No, it's negative 4,532 because it just, 
look, if he plays under the tag for the whole year, then we have him for the whole year. And maybe he signs the next offseason. If a deal doesn't get done throughout the, the year next year, if he doesn't sign by July 15th, then they will. They'll trade him for a couple picks. And if he, the you know best case scenario, he signs before July 15th. Like I just... Good luck, you know, threatening to hold out. All you're going to do is lose paychecks. You're not going to get anywhere. I mean, if they weren't going to do it for Cam Chancellor or Earl Thomas, they're sure as hell not doing it for Frank Clark. Well, if they do it with Frank, if they actually trade Frank Clark for picks, that would be the first guy that they'd actually get uh, some value from before he ends up moving on because mm-hmm. Earl Thomas, you know, they don't get anything for the, for him. They're relying on comp picks at this point. But, you know, Sherman goes. They were talking about shopping him in advance. Does it bother you at all that a lot that so many of these players are leaving and yet the the team isn't getting any kind of draft value out of it other than, you know, potentially comp picks? No, it doesn't. And this is why. Basically, look at the New England Patriots. We talked about uh, free agency at the beginning of the show here and how like some of the crappier teams are the ones that go out there and make big splashes, right? And uh, the teams that are better tend to be making those day two signings and things like that. Look at the Patriots. They're at a, a time, and there's a time and a place for going out and signing like big name guys in the first wave of free agency, depending on where your franchise is in the in the realm of team building, the Patriots are way down the line in team, in team building, right? They've been doing this for the last two decades. So they're not going to go out and sign big, big splashy names to try to change the culture of the locker room. They don't need to do that. What they do is, is they draft as well as they can. And when one of those players come up, especially on the defensive side of the ball, come up for a big contract, that first big contract, they don't pay them. They let him walk to the Lions and then they go out and they trade a fifth round pick for somebody like Michael Bennett, who will give you similar production for a year while you go out and try to draft another guy like that's how you do it. And so the Seahawks letting some of these guys walk at the end of the day, it's just like the Patriots who just let guys walk when it comes time to let him go. Like it's if, not just like the Patriots, though, because the Patriots have been really good about, you know, whether it's Jamie Collins, whether they, there's been a number of guys. He's the only uh, guy you can think of that they've traded for significant draft capital. Uh, no, uh, the the dude uh, that they traded to the Rams cooks, they they trade him to the Rams and it, what they had to give up a first round pick or a, a second round pick to, to New Orleans. And then they end up getting a first round pick from the Rams out of the deal. It, it worked out to where they didn't lose any picks at all. Right. Exactly. I think with Earl Thomas, you were hoping that, you know, things would go a little smoother. He wouldn't get injured. And I I think they ultimately wanted to keep him if, if things went well and it went as poorly as it could possibly go. A lot of people complaining about not getting anything for Earl Thomas. I mean, think about if Earl would have had an entirely healthy season last year, would they have been able to win one or two more games? How much of a difference would Earl Thomas have made in that playoff game against the Cowboys? I don't think Dak Prescott's running for a first down on third and 14 if Earl Thomas is on the field. Absolutely. And he could have been a a big difference maker, you know, and that's the roll of the dice that you take. I mean, I don't care that they're not getting guys back for these guys just as long as they go out and they replace them smartly, whether that's in the draft or in the second, third wave of free agency. Like if you're the 49ers, I get why you hand out a big contract to a few guys. Like I get it. I mean, it's a lot like the Seahawks when Pete Carroll first took over. A big market deal for Sidney Rice. They spent some money on Tavares Jackson. Did they think those guys were going to be the long-term answers forever for the franchise? No. They were just trying to get the ship turned around a little bit and create a different culture. And uh, that's the time that you do that when you go out and you make those big splash signings. 
when you're at this point in team building where the Seahawks are, where you're at a mature team, you've been winning for a long time. You don't, you don't go and do that anymore. Well, let's look at the 49ers. They are spending some money. Quan Alexander, four year deal, $54 million for a linebacker. Who's okay. Tevin Coleman, two years, almost $10 million max value, $10 million D Ford, five years, 87 and a half million dollars. They put the franchise tag on gold. Jordan Matthews coming in on a one-year deal. Uh, Mike Person re-signs for three years. Jason Verrett coming in one year, three point six million, and mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Ward another corner. So hey, they're they're stocking the corners. He gets a one-year five million dollar deal. Yeah, that's on the cheap. I mean, there's only one guy in there that feels like a difference maker at all, isn't it? I mean, D Ford. And even then, I mean, he's got the knucklehead factor to him a little bit, not like off the field, but just on the field. Yeah, like sometimes does dumb things. And also a guy who's had some injury issues over the years. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, good for them. It all boils down to Jimmy Garoppolo's health. Oh, yeah. I mean, each and every year going this point forward. I mean, the guy's been hurt every time he steps out on the field. Like, I'm not even just talking about last year. I'm talking about when he was with the Patriots. There's a reason why Jacoby Brissett was starting games when Tom was hurt. Because Garoppolo was hurt, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I just I look at that and... I wonder where they get all this cap money. And I think it's because they've rolled it over uh, from previous years because they've, Mm -hmm. they've had some unspent cap money that they get to roll over into the next season. People talk about not wanting to pay mid-level type players and they're doing that a lot. You know, whether it's use check getting six million a year, you know, Jarek McKinnon at almost six, Malcolm Smith, five and a half million a year. That could cause some trouble, especially when guys like Solomon Thomas coming up for a new deal, DeForest Buckner, when those guys get to the end of their rookie deals and they got to pay some of those guys on the defensive line. Yeah, San Francisco is going to be hitting uh, hitting the wall there. Well, all those guys that you mentioned, the mid-tier guys that they overpaid for, it's, it's not a problem to sign mid-tier guys if you get them for low to mid-tier money, right? But they're giving them mid to you know, upper mid-tier money. And that's where that's where you get into trouble. But the thing is, is looking at all those contracts. I mean, when do they all when do they all expire? I mean, I don't think any of those were super long term deals, other than McKinnon. I think was for three or four years. Yeah, he was for four years. I thought Malcolm Smith's deal was for it was a five year deal when they signed him. Ooh, see that? Yeah, that that's not good. But they could get out of it. I think uh, after the 2019 season, relatively easily. Yeah, depending on how the contracts are written and everything, as long as all those are de facto one to three year deals. Like you're going to be fine when those defensive players come up because you just let some of those guys go and you find another dude to come play. While we're on the topic of the 49ers, Brock Coyle announces his retirement, former Seahawks linebacker played for the San Francisco 49ers. And he was going to be released by the Niners and uh, announces his retirement. Good for him. Gets out early, you know, got those checks while he could. Hopefully he walks away with his health and he's feeling good. Knees, brain, all of it. Like, hopefully he's in good shape that way. And I would imagine he is. But, uh, I mean, I applaud every guy that gets out early. You'd rather Robert Smith something than stay in too long and, you know, end up like, you know, name the tragic CTE case, right? Well, I guess it was a concussion that sidelined him this season. And it was a failed physical that uh, decided uh, that the 49ers decided to move on. So, yeah, you eh, don't want to mess around with that. Nope. Better to get out now then. Brock Coyle on the move. Let's go back to the Seahawks and talk defensive line because Quentin Jefferson 
another one of those players who's offered an original round tender. He was drafted in the fifth round. So $2 million, one year. Quentin Jefferson could come back next season with the Seahawks. Yeah, $2 million bucks. That sounds great. Another, another guy to throw in the rotation. Another guy that the Seahawks may be considering, former Cowboys defensive lineman, Karan Reed. Okay. You know how much I know about Karan Reed? I, I, I know his name, how it looks, but I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, I was going to say, the only thing I know about him was uh, when I read his name, I thought, was that Kirin? <laughs> Kirion? I, I, I don't know. Karan? Yeah. He's, Hard to say. Hard telling not knowing. He's bounced around the league a couple of years in Detroit, year at San Diego, and then back to Detroit, and then with Dallas last season. So, yeah, he can be your Shamar Stefan type dude who comes in and plays that spot or backs up that spot now that Puna Ford gets more time this next year. Yeah, I hard to say. I tough for me to get fired up about you know guys who have been journeyman defensive linemen their whole career. Where are you looking for the Seahawks to go next? Uh, nowhere. I want them to stay in no, Seattle. I, I mean, in terms oh. of <laughs> positions that they address. Yeah, I, I mentioned it just a bit ago. Defensive line, man. That's a, that's exactly, especially tackle. Well, and pass rush would be fine too. Yeah, I mean, I know Deion Jordan still remains out there. I mean, do they bring him back? Is there a guy, this draft is supposedly heavy in defensive linemen and in pass rushers. I'd like to see them, you know, try to upgrade there. Uh, maybe a guy like Justin Houston is a guy that you can bring in for a year at the tail end of his career and not have to pay a ton for Justin Houston. You think they could make a move for him? Sure. They could. I mean, I'm just looking at guys out there that you might be able to sign a little more on the cheap than than you normally would. I mean, a little bit like DeMarcus Ware closer to the end of a season. I mean, the Broncos got two good seasons out of him. Yeah. Towards the end of his career. I mean, Julius Pepper, similar in terms of pass rushers though, man, those guys, they've been, when I saw Anthony Barr go back to the Vikings for five years, 68 million, I was thinking, yeah, he's a linebacker. He's not a pass rusher. No. Well, he, he's kind of used in that. I think the jets were planning on using him in that way, or maybe it's just linebackers getting huge money, but pass rushers also, Everybody's getting a, a little more money this year. I mean, that's the way it works. It's true. Like everybody, every single year, guys sign contracts and everybody loses their mind about how much the contracts are. And then in three years, when that guy signed a five year deal and he's pissed off, like because he's not getting market value, everybody's like, wow, I mean, team signing him five years ago for that amount or three years ago for that amount was such a steal now. It's such a team friendly deal. Look at Tyler Lockett. When he signed early on the season, people are like, oh, my gosh, that's that's too much money for Tyler Lockett. And now you look at it and what receivers are getting, you know, some of these guys are who are comparable to him. If I were Tyler, I, especially who who was the dude that you wanted that went to the Colts? Funches. I was, I was yeah, Devin interested Funches. in Funches. A year and 13 million to go to the Colts. Yeah, that's too much money. I wouldn't have paid him uh, 13 million for a year, maybe like eight it's a max value for 13 million. So I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of incentives in there, but gosh, if I'm Tyler Lockett looking at that going, man, that guy's hardly got on the field <laughs> way better than that dude. But I mean, that's, that's how it works with contracts. Like, I mean, you're the highest paid player today and then tomorrow you're not, you know, a guy that was released that I also thought was interesting. Apparently I'm just fixated on the chiefs. Uh, <laughs> Eric Barry being released. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could. That could be an interesting move. I I like the idea of bringing in a veteran. You know, whether it's Eric Berry, whether it's you know, and we talked about him 
uh, a little bit on the last show from the Lions, Glover Quinn. You know, mm-hmm. a, a veteran dude to bring in to compete with the young players. And, you know, if they happen to beat them out, great. Then you have a, a veteran presence in a, a one-year deal in that spot. And if not, you know, they're not making a whole lot backing up those younger guys. Yeah, that or you release them after uh, the preseason, right? <laughs> like just they always on do. How much, yeah, depending on how much guaranteed money you give them. I mean, if it's a one-year deal and there's not a lot guaranteed, then, I mean, what the hell? Roll the dice. Danny Shelton still out there. That'd be interesting. Potentially, yeah, you what, know, uh, filling out the interior. What position group or, you know, players are you looking at where you'd like to see the Seahawks go next? I Definitely at, at safety. I think with corners, they, they're they deep enough there to where and they always seem to figure it out at corner. They'll draft yeah. another dude. They'll mm-hmm. probably bring in a free agent. They'll be fine. Yeah, they'll find some dude at the bottom of uh, uh, the bottom of a roster somewhere, you know, and John Schneider will call up and ask about a cornerback. And if that GM answers the phone, he should just immediately hang up and sign the guy to a long term deal. Right. Yeah. Because he's probably good. He's probably probably is. Hong Kong Hawk brings up the a guy on the defensive line and Dominican Sue Pacific Northwest guy and apparently rumored to want to stay on the West Coast. Yeah, I have zero interest in Sue. Zero, I mean, do huh? you want a guy who mails it in for the for the regular season and doesn't play assignment football and is could give you like one knucklehead moment throughout the season where he like stomps on somebody or does something dirty? And then, you know, I guess when you get to the playoffs, you get good Sue. But I just I have no interest in paying a bunch of money for 16 games of bad Sue. Oh, yeah. If it's a bunch, then I'm out, too. Do you think that guy's going to take a little? No, he's probably going to go to the Raiders or San Diego. Isn't he out of all LA. the active dudes in the NFL, the guy who has made the most money? He want, he likes money. Yeah. But yeah, I don't see the Seahawks going there. No. Floctimus says uh, he kind of wishes that we would have gotten Tyrell Williams from the LA Chargers. And he goes to the Oakland Raiders on a big deal. I can see the Seahawks, you know, once they saw that price tag going up to, I think it was four years. $44 million, $22 million guaranteed, a maximum value of $47 million with incentives. Uh, that's that's probably a little high for the Seahawks. If you're going to be paying Doug Baldwin and Lockett and Tyrell Williams, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, no, not at that price. I mean, I would rather see what David Moore could do next year being I, on a, a low-end rookie deal than pay Tyrell Williams that kind of money. I don't know. There'll be another Williams. There'll be another Williams available from the Chargers at some point. Go after uh, the Williams guy that cut, Jordy Nelson, and uh, get him on a one-year deal. No, thanks. No, not into Jordy. Well, I think Jordan, Jordy Nelson had a remarkable career, and I think he was vastly underrated when he was in his prime. But uh, he no, not anymore. I'm only interested in now the castoffs at offensive line from Tom Cable and the Raiders. Like if if the, Tom Cable says a guy <laughs> can't play on the offensive line, that's a dude that I I want the Seahawks to look at. And Kaleche Osemele, they send him out of town to the Giants and they swap fifth and sixth round picks. I think if it had been almost any other year and the Seahawks would have had more draft picks. They make just, that deal. I think they make that deal. <laughs> I would have been fine with it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'll take Tom Cable's castoffs, and I want to see how the Raiders do this year with their strategy of getting rid of all their high-priced offensive linemen and uh, paying dudes at wide receiver like Brown and Tyrell Williams. And I, I don't see that working out well for him. 
I actually think that the Raiders are making decent moves. Like I know John Gruden's been getting crushed. I mean, they get rid of Amari Cooper and uh, upgrade to Antonio Brown and end up with an extra first round pick when it's all said and done out of it. Like I, I think they're making some pretty damn good moves, man. Except getting rid of their dudes on the offensive line. Cars that offensive have- line was awful last year. Well, they're all hurt. No, they, they, I mean, that's part of it, I guess. I mean, really, if you were going to question the Raiders, it's the idea that they're keeping Tom Cable around to coach the offensive line. <laughs> right. You know, bring it, just bring in a different coach, and I'm sure it's going to be better, but they were awful last year. Well, we so saw... what are you going to do? Well, and I think a big part of it was Cable, and you saw what happened in that game that the Seahawks played against the Raiders. Carr had zero time back there behind the offensive line. So if you're going to get rid of your one guy like Osemele, who's actually good, and you know they're talking about how many other of those guys, you know, the guy that they drafted wasn't that great, he's going to struggle. You think so, huh? Well, we'll see. I mean, really, the problem in that London game for the Raiders is that Frank Clark still had one working elbow. Yeah, that's true. And he... <laughs> yeah. That was before he lost his other elbow. Right. And yeah. so he wrecked them yeah. because they deserved it. Hopefully he finds his elbows in the offseason. Sounds like the elbows are better. All right. Well, what do you say? We take another break. Come back. Welcome some new members of the flock and get into some do better and better life. No, I don't want to. No. Okay. Fine. (laughs) Oh, okay. I guess I will. Getting into the final segment of the show. As I watch Adam let out a really big yawn. Are you yawning? Are you really surprised? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> I was surprised that I had to yawn that big. I don't know. I, I was surprised too. That took so long. I thought that maybe something It was one of those happened. delayed ones. Like when you start it and like you kind of like, oh, here comes the yawn. And then like it just ta- it's, it takes a long time for it to finally like manifest. Yeah. That's what happened there. I, I'd never seen that before. The actual yawn time was short, but... The buildup was long. <laughs> My apologies for boring you at this point in the show. Yeah, do better. <laughs> well, we're going to get to do better, but first, let's welcome a couple new members of the flock. Mario Cristiani in at $5. Welcome to the flock, Mario. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. I, I'm excited that we're starting to write the ship here. February was a little depressing. Yeah. And uh, now you little flockers are pulling it together. Yeah. Well, we're getting into free agency. We're getting into the draft yeah. next month. Stuff's going to be happening. Yeah, absolutely. Tyson Sutton in for three dollars. Welcome to the flock, Tyson. Welcome to the flock, Tyson. We can't wait to kick your ass in the pick'em league. That's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I won this year between you and me. Good for you. It was good. It was close. You know what did it? That that week that I let you uh, that I put in your picks for you when you didn't get them in. Well, so I actually uh, I I still made the picks. It's not like. I don't know. I'm sorry. I couldn't get to it. You're welcome. Uh, I think that's... I just wanted to thank you. That's all. Okay. Thank you for letting me win is is what I needed to hear from you. Thank and you're you welcome. for letting me... No, still winning. I'm still the winner. So thanks to our two new members of the flock at getintheflock.com if you want to join us there. As, uh, as we mentioned earlier, doing the live stream for our $12 members and above at our, our Facebook group. Hey, and if you're a $12 member and above and you're not in the Facebook group, you're missing out on a little extra bonus now. Yeah, absolutely. Are, do we have some uh, 1212 or above folks that aren't in the Ring of Honor? Oh, yeah. Well, there's people that don't really care for Facebook. 
Yeah, well, that I understand. They, they, to be completely honest, the only reason I still have my Facebook page, the only one, it's, is it's because of, of the Ring of Honor. That is it. If it weren't for for the little flockers, I'd be I'd be gone. I'd be hiding in the you know mountains of Montana. I think I may download the video though and and post it at gettingtheflock.com. That way, if anybody is missing the live stream and they want the video to go along with it, that way they can get it. And maybe someday when uh, SB Nation gets it together here on the video end of things, we'll actually be able to put it out on uh, YouTube. We can stream to SB Nation. Yeah. You know, like people do. <laughs> well, we got to get to 600. I mean, that was the incentive, right? 600. 600 members of the flock. Oh, right. So maybe, maybe by then it'll all work out. Uh, probably it will. It just depends on how long people want to continue freeloading and watching or listening to the show for free. Freeloaders are going to freeload. It's okay, though. It's okay. They can write reviews. Yeah. Any new reviews? It's been a, it's been a minute. We had uh, one dude for the, the Seahawkers podcast update a review. And you'll remember this guy because he gave us, uh, I think it was the, the fatty acid guy. Okay. Who gave us the one star review. Okay. And said how terrible we were. All right. And uh, he really, and he, he liked the series with Rob Staten. The, the four-day series that we did over the Combine. So what I'm getting out of this is that as long as I'm not on the show, he enjoys it a lot more. Yeah, he, he thought it was great. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Gave us a four-star review. He upgraded it from one to four. So still not willing <laughs> to go to the full five stars? Come on, that feels a little petty, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it's like it's like with you. Uh, not really. You're not willing to go in with the Ravens if there's a new owner. Sure. Like we, we changed out hosts and he's like, you know, I'm still I have to stick to my convictions a little bit. But I, I recognize that there were changes made and I'm not completely disappointed anymore. Oh, well, prepare to be disappointed more, Fatty Acid, because I'm back. I'm no, back. bitches. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say we get into some do better and better at life? All right, man. Who you got for right. do better? My do better this week is for Dell customer service. <laughs> I yeah. love this already. <laughs> Dude, are you oh, not getting a Dell now? I So my daughter has a Dell computer. And you know how the laptop cords, you know, when they make them really cheaply it, and it bends so much in the it's it happens with the iPhone cables, yep. too. Yep. Where it goes into the phone and it frays out. OK, well, that happened to her laptop cord. So I was just trying to figure out how do I get a replacement. So I went to the website, checked to see if it was still under warranty. Cause it was, you know, a little over a year ago. I wasn't sure if it had a one year, two year warranty mm-hmm. type it in. Uh, it was out of warranty, but it has an option to chat with somebody. I'm like, Oh, well I'll just chat with somebody really quick to figure out, you know, how much it costs, you know, make sure I get the right one. Hit, hit, I hit up the chat and say exactly, you know, I want a laptop cord for this laptop. They tell me that, oh, well, this isn't under warranty. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Because I already looked it up. I know it's not under warranty. I just I just want to buy the AC adapter for the laptop because, well, you know, you really should send it in for diagnostics because, you know, it might be other things going on with it. No, no, there's nothing else going on with it. Like I, I can look at the cord. The cord is broken. And up until now, the computer's been working perfectly fine. You need diagnostics for that, Brandon. You need to pay somebody to look at the card uh, uh, other than you and be like, yeah. yep, 
afraid not giving electricity to the computer. That's what you need. You need an expert. I need an expert to do that. No, I, I feel like I have the expertise. You know, I, I do work a little bit in IT. So, uh, you know, I may be even you know what else you do? The average computer user. You know what else you do? You breathe in air like a regular human <laughs> being and live on this planet and have two eyeballs. Yeah. Like, I, the think, two, I, I think the, yeah. the eyeballs part is key. Yeah. I think you I think you can visually inspect that as much as uh, any other person on this planet could. Or, uh, you know, maybe you need to get some more diagnostics ran on it and pay the dude an extra hundred hundred bucks or so. Yeah. Why yeah. Not? It was it was about a hundred bucks to you're send loaded. it in for the, for the diagnostics. Sure. You're a thousand. Just to find out that I need it. a cable yeah. so that they could charge me more for. Yeah. You know what I did? Did you punch somebody in the mouth? No, I oh. I went to Target and got a thirty dollar generic. I'm not paying Dell now. Screw those guys. Do better. <laughs> I like how you stuck it to them too, and we're like, oh, okay, just because you tried to jerk me around a little bit, I'm not even gonna <laughs> buy the the cord from you now. Like that's gone. No. That's it. That's yeah. out. Yeah, that's hilarious. I can't believe they tried. Well, I can't believe they tried to upsell you on that stuff. They always do that. I pretty much ejected from the chat as soon as he said that I needed to. Uh, send it in for diagnostics <laughs> like end chat you should have said <laughs> something it. along the lines of like you know i just ran a diagnostic on you and you suck <laughs> stop trying to upsell me I, i'm not i'm not quick enough on that oh well if if in in the future if there's ever a situation that you need uh some some you know comebacks like that some mean cutting comebacks like let me yeah. know I'll i'll dial I'm, you in i'm here for you who you got this week All right, my do better for this week, Brandon, is for the league, for the Shield, the NFL. The entire NFL? Well, the the commissioner's office. I mean, it just... Kareem Hunt. Oh, yeah. Gets released from the Chiefs after the video comes out of him, like, getting in a physical altercation with a woman in a hotel hallway. He even kicks her at one point. Like, it was bad. Like, that's that's as despicable of a human being as you can come across right there. I don't care how much she was antagonism. I don't care about any of that stuff. Like as a giant athlete with crazy strength and a man, you can't be doing that. You can't, there's no excuse ever. None. I don't care how drunk you were. I don't care. Chiefs felt the same way. Released him. Well, then the Cleveland Browns come along and are like, well, we'll pick up human trash. No problem. Well, we'll just sweep that right up. And they pick up Kareem Hunt. So now the league has to make a decision. Well, how many games does Kareem Hunt have to sit out for violating the personal conduct policy? You uh-huh. know what they came up with? Eight games. A whopping eight games. Half a season. For being a legit piece of shit as a human being. Eight games? Are you serious? Freaking, uh, who's the receiver for the Patriots? Uh, Josh Gordon. He's out of the league indefinitely because he, because he likes putting stuff up his nose. Like all he's hurting is himself. Like, and, and, and he's out of the league indefinitely and Kareem Hunt gets eight games. I think the problem started with the, the whole policy that it was going to be, wasn't that six games maximum that they originally landed on around the Ray Rice time frame, And then they decided to go down to, to two for Rice. Okay, here's the thing with Ray Rice, right? Like, he came out and was actually contrite. Like, and then actually oh, yeah. took action about, you know, trying to change culture and affect change so that this doesn't happen anymore within our culture, right? 
like working with women's groups and, you know, making public statements that were very apologetic and having his fiance now wife there with him to explain, you know, who he is as a human being. Right. Have you heard any of that crap from Kareem Hunt? Oh, no, No. none of that stuff. The one apology I heard from him was basically like, well, you know, I'm I'm sort of sorry, I guess. And whoop-de-doo. Yeah. He's sorry. He got caught on video. Right. Yeah. I mean, what a joke. And I, I, the suspension is a joke. He should have at least gotten a year. At least. It has to start with that. And then, I mean, I got to actually find out that you're legitimately sorry and have made changes in your life and are a legitimately changed person. Yeah, I mean, Mike, in Vic, some way. Mike Vick got worse. How long did he get? I don't know what his actual league suspension was, but he went to oh, prison went for to two jail. years. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah, that my kept point. him out of the league for two years. Right. I mean, I'm not saying what he did isn't horrible. I mean, but it was also to not a human. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it, it's unbelievable to me. The league is totally screwed up with their suspension policies. Roger Goodell is asleep at the wheel and to the NFL, the shield do better, do better. You know, one thing I was going to mention earlier where I kind of, uh, to, to balance out the, the negativity against the shield, the performance based pay distributions. Did you see that? They, I, I didn't even really know this. this I, I didn't even know this was really that much of a thing, but apparently it's been around forever. So dudes that especially rookies who come in and outperform their contract, you know, they can get a little extra something, something. And uh, Trey Flowers, the one member of the Seahawks on this list who gets a performance based pay distribution for the last year, he finds out that he's going to be getting a nice uh, three hundred and thirty seven thousand dollar check. I deserved, right? Oh yeah, he started the, almost the entire year. Yeah, and played and played relatively well for a rookie. Yeah, yeah. Good for him. Keep getting them checks. Yeah, Lisa points out Michael Kendricks got six games right, and he didn't even he didn't even profit off of his crime. And Hunt gets two more. Yep, that's messed up. I had a better at life. All right, man. My better at life than Skip Bayless this week is none other than Keanu Reeves. Yeah, actor. Uh, philosopher, and apparently, well, and he's making motorcycles, which I think is pretty cool. He's oh, really? just a cool dude all the way around. By all accounts, he's a super, super chill, nice guy. Isn't into the fame. Like he's been, he's actually been photographed, like just sitting on some steps, eating lunch with like a homeless dude. And like, it wasn't even like a celebrity, like a stunt, right? Like right. it was just two dudes having lunch. Yeah. Like just a really, really good guy. But story came out here uh, a few weeks ago that uh, that kind of confirms this. And this goes back to his days uh, filming The Matrix mm. and uh, the sequels specifically. So the whole films or those sequels grossed somewhere around the line of uh, $1.2 billion. Yeah, they did all right. Yeah. 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 Some people got some cheddar off of that and good for them. But uh, Keanu Reeves was set to make $75 million off of the sequels. Well, he decided that he wasn't really the guy that deserved that kind of money, even though he was the star of the film, like the number one lead, right? So you know what he did with it? He he looked at the, the producers and everything. He said, you know, the people that really deserve this, special effects dude, the costume, uh, the costume designers, all those guys. And you know what he did? He gave a million dollars to each one of those people. Wow. And basically gave the majority of it away of the $75 million. 
he still had the Bill and Ted money coming in. He's got a lot of money coming. Now he's got the John Wick money coming in. And rightfully so. Those movies are badass. <laughs> they are. Because he actually trains. Like, he goes out and he actually trains with firearms. The you know? videos of him actually training are amazing. Yeah. The martial arts stuff that he does. Like, yeah. he actually goes out and trains with legit martial artists. Oh, and the weapons training, too. Exactly. Like, X-Seals and things like that. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a really down-to-earth, legit guy. Hell of an actor. Uh, generous guy. So my better at life than Skip Bayless this week, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. My better at life this week is for none other than Earl Thomas. I like it. Saying his thank yous to Seattle tweets out. Thank you, Seattle, for the love and memories that my family and I will never forget. Does a little heart emoji and a little umbrella with it raining emoji. So see, throwing in some emojis there for you, Adam. Great. And uh, a lot of people... A little bit upset with Earl, you know, considering the way that he went out with the the middle finger to the sidelines. And, you know, if if you want to be mad with him going out the door, then then you can be. But I'm going to choose to appreciate all the good times. Him karate chopping the ball out of dude's hands, uh, never giving up on plays and so many big moments for the Seahawks going back. You know, I, I think back to his his rookie year and, you know, one of his very first interceptions where he's running all over the field and. You know, all the times where uh, we thought that he was going to be the that he might be the Seahawks punt returner. And we had so many arguments over keeping Earl Thomas safe and, and healthy and not allowing him to return punts. You know, those were good times. He even continues to share some of his new experiences on Twitter with uh, recognizing the former number 29 with the the Ravens and Earl Thomas photographed with the, the his first look at his new Ravens jerseys. And it looks like Marlon Humphrey uh, put a piece of yellow tape over the top of his name and wrote in Thomas and uh, Thomas showing that off on uh, on Twitter with the with the jersey. So Earl's always going to have a spot for us in our hearts as Seahawks fans as part of the Legion of Boom. And hopefully one of these days, they'll, they'll find a way to recognize that entire group of Seahawks. So for now, recognizing him in our Better at Life segment, Earl Thomas, Better at Life than Skip Bayless. Look, I think that's an excellent Better at Life. I mean, when we look back on this era of Seahawks football, I mean, Earl Thomas might be the second most important player uh, uh, of that group to bring us a title, second or third, right? I mean, just right up there. I mean, he actually defines this era to a large degree. And I've always been a gigantic fan. And some people may be pissed off that he give the sideline the bird. I, I'm not. That never even bothered me in the moment. I understood where he was coming from. And yeah, he's what, an emotional dude. Yeah, in, in everything. I will never hold it against him. And I will never take it for granted what he brought to this franchise, bringing us our first title taking us to back-to-back Super Bowls, going out there and giving us everything every time that he possibly could. It was a remarkable run. It's going to be difficult to see him in another jersey. I do look forward to the day that uh, Area 29, the number 29, hangs in the rafters in CenturyLink, and it will happen. And until that day, nothing but love for for Earl Thomas, and I, I wish him nothing but the best. Kind of sad to see him go, but, uh, you know, understandable with the team going in a little bit different direction. And I think with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.